I'm Asan, and this is the 9320 Pablo Zabaleta Review Show. We're going to be talking about two relatively straightforward victories for City, but really, before we do anything, we'll be talking about the legend, the fucking legend, the man that is Pablo <laughs> Zabaleta. Um, joining me to get into this are Sam and Howard. Sam, kick us off with, the, with your thoughts on Zaba, please, mate, as a neutral. Okay. Um, well, yeah, obviously it's been said a lot in the last few days that he, he epitomises everything that you know a City fan appreciates and he's, he's got the right approach. But I think it's, it's, he's got the kind of approach that every football fan appreciates. I mean, particularly in England, or maybe not particularly in England, I think it's his kind of desire and work rate and effort and passion that, you know, if it's a Brazilian playing in Italy or someone from Iceland playing in... In Brazil, it makes it makes no difference as long as somebody you know loves what they do, loves the club, and gives their everything. Then everyone's going to love that, and it makes complete sense that you know he got he got the send off he deserved really. And there was that outpouring of emotion that was basically repaid to him after nine years of him giving it to City. So I think it was I think it was very well done by by everyone in the end, and fully deserved for Zabaleta, and and very well handled. I think every pretty much everybody stayed behind. Yes, I saw that. I saw that. Um, Howard, talk to me. Yeah, <laughs> talk to you. Uh, well, it's, it's just a bit of everything, isn't it? It's, it's the entire package. Uh, I think, start by saying, uh, apart from read my blog, because uh, <laughs> it's all in there, it's just, it's very rare in, in our history we've really struggled for legends and heroes and we've had to scramble because basically not been very good and turnover of players has often been huge and it's so rare for starters that someone stays this long you know as a for nine years that's such a long time for a player to stay and he's just epitomizes everything we want from a player it's what we think we would be if we've if we've got a chance to play football that's how we'd probably dream of playing what we'd think we'd look like uh it's just commitment uh just he's a gentleman he's he just understood he just absorbs himself into local culture the lifestyle everything the club he just understood it totally uh and uh, it's just nice that we did rather than just suddenly hearing at the end you know in the summer that he's gone that we got to do this because it's pretty rare that you get this chance to say goodbye properly to a player uh but yeah, he grew. I mean, his timing as well. He came just as we got taken over, and he was just became a part of that. He grew as the team did, so he got better as a player. He became one of the best right backs we've seen in. You know, I can't talk about the nineteen fifties or anything, but the best right back I've seen at the club. Uh, and he's just, yeah, just a gentleman and a committed heart and sleeve type of player. He's just. Yeah, be a, such a great loss. I hope that sums it up, basically. <laughs> I think that sums it up very, very, very well. Um, I think for me, I, I, want, I just want to say one thing, because I, you know, I, I think that everybody should go and read Howard's blog, because I think that you, yeah, you absolutely nailed it. But oh, I think for me, the, the, the thing is that one of the things that you, you, you said it, Sam said it, people say it all the time, they talk about... His commitment and his desire and his and his work rate and his, his will to win and all of those things. And I think that by doing that, we are almost doing a disservice to his quality. Because I think that one of the things that 
for me, the most impressive thing about Pablo Zabaleta is that as the club grew after the takeover, he grew as a player. Each season, he was a little bit better than the previous season to the yeah. point where, from for me, really, from the, the 2012, 11-12 season where he split, split his time with, with Micah, it was always interesting that, you know, people would, would often say that, you know, we want to play a more attacking team, which is why we play Richards. But actually, it was Zabaleta who, who developed into the complete fullback because his intelligence and, and his it just, you know, those, those late runs they, that, that became signature Zabaleta, things like that, those are, that's intelligence and that's footballing quality. And, and I think that he had that in absolute spades as well. And I think in many respects, that's what makes him, the, the depth of the love that we all feel for him it comes from the fact that on top of the commitment and the work rate and the desire and and all of those very British things that we love, he was quality. He was absolute quality. So yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was good to see. It was good to see everybody stay behind. It was it, it was good for the world to see um, how much we care about Zabba. It was good for Zabba to see how much we care about him. Yeah. Um, what did you what did you what did you make of the the whole affair, Howard? As as a blue going going to the game last night, do you think the club handled it well? What did you make of it? Yeah, it was fine. Uh, first of all, the key thing is <laughs> the Leeds can be very embarrassing end of season uh, lap of honours, can't they? So we avoided that embarrassment. Uh, in the old days, we used to mess it up by going off the pitch for half an hour, coming back, and there was no one there. So they didn't go off the pitch, which was sensible, uh, because there's just no need to. I thought it was nice. It wasn't too long, maybe slightly too long. Uh, a montage of stuff, some words, and a presentation. And, yeah, as you said, he got to show his appreciation. We got to show ours. Uh, and, thankfully, the match went the way that we could bring him on with 20 minutes to go as well. As a, you know, We had that three-goal lead, as a, so we could bring him on, and, and it just went perfectly. Yeah, I thought it was fine, and it's as, as I said before, it's just very—you don't get many chances to do something like that. So uh, it, it was, was very nice to see. It, it was, was nice to do something way. properly. Yeah. It's beautiful the way his head went as soon as he came on the pitch. I mean, I don't—I yeah. don't think he completed a pass in the in the half an hour that he was on the pitch. <laughs> no, there was at least two or three occasions where he looked like he was going to burst into tears. Um, it was uh, it was it was really amazing to see. Hey, I was just thinking then as you were saying that about the uh, about the the kind of the last home game and the lap of honor and all that stuff. If we play our cards right, we could spend the next five years saying goodbye to a legend each year and making sure mm -hmm. that we have you know massive you know those last home games that everybody stays behind. It's uh, yeah, just no. What we can't think? guarantee. I mean, basically, we we did this because we know he's going. Uh, but we don't know for sure yet that he's the only one going of the of the old guard, so to speak. But there are possibilities, of course, of the other players staying. So, yeah, but I'm going to ask Sam now. Sam. Yep. Yeah, yeah, sorry. What's going on? Is he staying? God knows. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't even think like his agents really know what's going on. I don't think anybody knows, and I and I don't know why that is. So it's gonna, just the whole thing's just really confusing. I don't know. Do you think that it's 
confusing like that because he really doesn't want to leave. So basically, because it, what I don't understand, with the thing that confuses me in all of this, is that City seem to have put all of these players on hold and said, we'll decide after the season ends. And mm. none of them have gone, well, okay, we're going to sign for this team or we're going to sign for that team. They all seem content to just wait for City to, to decide. Would that imply that none of them actually want to go? Um, well, I mean, as much as anything, I don't think any of them would would want to go because you know the size of well the size of city and the size of their contracts. But it, I think some people know anyway. Even if obviously they haven't left it till the end of the season to decide because decisions have been made on on a lot of them. But even even then, I think a lot of players knew. But and even if they didn't know, they probably suspected. And I think a lot of the same players probably suspected as much last year. I'm sure Clichy, Zabaleta, and Kolarov. Obviously, Kolarov's not out of contract now. But him, what those ones and Sanya, they probably thought this time last year that they were going to end up going. Mm. So they've had a season, and they're probably thinking now, you know, a couple of months back, that they were going to go anyway. I'd, there's a bit of a mixture in. They won't want to leave because, like I say, they're in good positions. But also, they're not really in big positions to to go to another major club. They're all going to have offers, but you know, none of them are. I wouldn't say any of them are huge, attractive prospects apart from Torre. But even then, if you take him on, he's going to cost a lot for one or two years, and you have to use him properly. Because God, if you use him like Pellegrini used him last year, you're going to get nothing out of him. If you use him <laughs> like Diola's using him, then he'd be a great signing. So it, there's you know there's all sorts of things that go into it, but. I think I think yeah they they would all want to stay really. Obviously the Navas thing's interesting because basically that supposed contract offer from Sevilla takes him up to retirement basically back home where he's always wanted to go. So I suppose that's probably the most tempting offer we could get. Yeah, I yeah. don't think I don't think that he. I felt when that story broke, um, I felt at the time with Navas that offering him twelve months when he can go home and probably get two years and now it sounds like he can get three years. I always felt there was a big chance that he'd knock that contract back and, and mm. I feel even more strongly now that I think Navas is going to go thanks but no thanks. Yeah, yeah, you're, poss- you're possibly right. Um, I I was told that, you know, he's, he's going to get better terms here than he would anywhere else so I, I took that as, well, you know, that's that's it then, it's pretty much sorted because, you know, he's, he is happy to stay as well, he would stay. But I think I didn't really bargain on. I don't think anybody else did. Severe coming in with such a tempting offer because yeah, it might not be the same money over over fifty two weeks, but that it, well, obviously it will be over the three years. But you've just got the security and everything's just looked after. Then isn't it? Yeah. Everything's taken care of. You don't have to worry about anything. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, okay. Thank you for that, Sam. For the little uh, little transfer contract update, yeah. we'll 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 have more of those as, at the end of the at the end of the sure. podcast. I'll ask you some more questions. Okay, let's talk about Leicester, which feels like it was played about a month ago. Don't ask me. <laughs> yeah. It really does feel like it was played a month ago. Um, Sam, do you remember the team for Leicester? Oh God. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was pretty much the same as last night. Otherwise, yeah. I don't think I would. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, Let's start with Fernandinho at right back. Mm. Sam, were you surprised that he he was moved back to right back? No, not really. Uh, the it doesn't seem like it's been an experiment that's been dropped. I think him playing at left back, you know, that didn't that seems to have gone away for good. Mm. 
but but him playing a right back, uh, God knows, because he's talking about the games coming thick and fast. The press conferences do as well. And Guardiola said recently, I can't remember when, but he said, look, you know, when he's mixed things around at right back, it's because he's wanted different things. And you know, if Fernandinho's played, it's because he's wanted more in the middle. Or if Navas has played, it's because he's wanted more going up the wing to allow the wingers to come inside. And there's so many different aspects you can consider. You can never see it coming, but. I wasn't surprised that Fernandinho is still being played there because he is still a good option. And for me, I'd still say he's a better option than than Navas overall. But obviously, they've both got different uses. But yeah, it's fine, Fernandinho there. And as a lot of people have said yesterday with the Navas stuff about him going back to Sevilla, a lot of people are saying, well, Fernandinho can do it anyway. And I don't think he can quite do the kind of shadow Kyle Walker role that Guardiola wants, because obviously he wants fullbacks that are all action that can get up and down. But he can certainly, you know, do a job in a pinch. Or there might even be certain games where he needs more in midfield, and Fernandinho is the best option, better even than Kyle Walker or whoever else comes in. Yeah. Do you think it's very much a case of horses for courses with with Guardiola in terms of that selection? of Fernandinho over Navas. There's not something to be read into the contractual thing there where Navas was playing and he, it sounded like he was going to sign a new contract, he was getting a game every week and then suddenly he's maybe going to go back to Sevilla and now suddenly Fernandinho has been drafted back in again. I mean, maybe, but like like I say, there's probably just a, there's probably something Guardiola's seen about Leicester central midfielders or the way they... The way they attack, and he thought we could, or the way they defend, I suppose. And he yeah. thought as, oh, we can get more out of Fernandinho going in midfield than anything else. And it's, it's, it's hard to second guess. It, it really also is. seems, yeah, seems to be another case of Guardiola doing things in waves again, in, in little blocks. So yeah. for four games, Fernandinho suddenly you're right back, and uh, Kolarov's in the centre, and then you don't see him again for two months or something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, I can't, yeah, it's it's very hard to judge his reasoning. Uh, I'm not saying he doesn't have any because obviously he does. He's far cleverer than me, uh, but you know they just seem to happen suddenly, and then they they stay. These positional changes stay for quite a few games, but it's very hard to analyse as well because he. It depends when we're in or out of possession because he does move inwards. You know they can move inwards, can't they? The fullbacks and become a midfield. So I just can't see this being a long. It's not a long term solution, but he's doing okay at the moment. So. Uh, that's the best you can hope for, really. Okay, awesome. Uh, Howard, talk to me about the first half against Leicester. What did you make of our first half performance? <sighs> God, I hate playing. <laughs> I, I truly think City hate playing Leicester, and it's just quite apparent. But I thought the first... I don't know when they scored. Was it about 35, 37, 38 minutes around then? Up yeah. to that point, I thought it was the best we've done against them in well, the last four games, at least. I don't think there was any drastic way, you know, or set up or anything that we did differently because, as the second half would show, they're still as dangerous as ever by doing what they do well. I just thought, for once, and it's very little different from early in the season, we dominate the ball, but teams were getting one chance and scoring, and there was very little difference here. And I think what helped is we really just didn't let them near the ball. I don't know what the possession stats were. Uh, but I've seen it in the last month in our home games, you know, across the board, Palace, West Brom and so on, that would just, it feels like we're dominating the ball even more and the opposition just, obviously that's Pep's thing, isn't it? If we can't, if the opposition can't get the ball, they can't score and it felt like that in the first 35 minutes that 
we were dominating the ball and the chances came because of that, but still not that many chances. So it did seem similar, but it just seemed a bit more clinical uh, from past home games. Okay. Um, Sam, what did you... I, I would tend to agree with, with Howard that that first 45, putting aside their goal, we'll talk about that in a second, but just in general, the performance in that first 45 was uh, was maybe the best we've played against Leicester. I thought it was really excellent. But one thing that stood out for me over the last few home games in particular is our press um, to, win the ball, to win the ball back high up the pitch. Did you notice that against Leicester? And do you think that that maybe was one of the reasons that we controlled them so well in that first half is that we were really brave in the press? Uh, I, I don't know. Because obviously the press has been gen, generally good all season. It's obviously one of the main things. It's like basic principle, and basic Guardiola principle. I, I think they dealt with... I think City just dealing with things better now when the ball goes forward. Uh, I'm going to use last night more as an example just because I could remember it more. But just whenever whenever City do press and the long ball goes forward, it's just, it's just looked after now. Company will just win it in the air or Osmendi will just win it. And it, I think, I don't know, maybe maybe it's more that. But, yeah. I mean, the other aspect of it is, you know, City still had a lot to play for and we're at home and they were always going to get a lot of the ball. And the other teams haven't had too much to play for and, City have just been given the advantage, and they've, you know, they've gladly taken it. And obviously, they've they've taken their chances relatively early as well, which hasn't been the case a lot. And they've just been able to to finish teams off. Mm. What well, we said in the past that Palace goal was the earliest goal in uh, mm. two Big and a half years or something. So <laughs> it's just it's been a problem. We don't we're not the sort of team that comes out of the blocks and gets a three goal lead quickly and you know has put the game to bed. So, uh, but yeah, I, I do I think we've pressed a bit more I think there's definitely been commitment there's still the same problems but I, I have seen commit. and you've got with Jesus up front you've got a ball of energy haven't you who's uh, who's harrying all the time and I think that's helped as well yeah before we talk about about Gabby um, just very quickly Leicester's goal I saw uh, I've seen some complaints about their goal um, Sam what did you think of it <laughs> Um I thought, well, obviously, it was excellent. Um, I was sat next to a colleague, and he turned to me when they had it, when they pinged it out wide. He went, this is the first time they've had the ball. I went, yeah, I bet they score. (laughs) (laughs) And then then he he crossed in, and obviously, it was an amazing overhead kick. Um, I think you could break down every amazing goal in history and and blame somebody for it. Um, And Guardiola probably does do that. But I'm not, I'm not going to say I don't. Well, I'm not going to say it. And also, I haven't really looked at it with such a critical eye and said he should have been over there or he should have anticipated this. So, to be honest, I'm not going to blame anyone for it because I'm not really in a position that I actually can. And I just I just appreciate it for what it was. Before, and also, it was an yeah. it was an anomaly, wasn't it? And after and City just kind of got on with it. Yeah. Before I ask you, Howard, I was just going to say that I that's why I asked the question because for me, I think that sometimes. You can. I think sometimes with some goals, you should just hold your hands up and go. You know what? That's just a fucking great goal. What What are you going to do? Like you yeah. know, I mean, there's well, always, I, I, like you say with hindsight, there's always he could have been here or he could have been there. But for me, that was just a fantastic goal, and and you kind of go, okay, fair enough. That's you know, you, we don't have a you don't have a divine right to keep a clean sheet, and you can concede um, 
You can concede a goal while still playing well just because the opposition put together a fantastic move. Howard, what, what did you make of that? Uh, I, I agree. So uh, there's always play. As Sam said, every goal in history, there has you could blame someone because it's gone in the net. Therefore, someone can be blamed because they didn't stop it going in. Yeah. Uh, unless they've absolutely yeah wellied it from the halfway line. Uh, yes, of course he got. I think it was all Brighton who put the cross in. Had too much room, and maybe that's linked to. Uh, to having Fernandinho as a right back and I think did Otamendi slip perhaps but at the end of the day this has happened you know over 90 minutes a player can slip uh, attackers will lose their marker and I, I just you have to put it down it was a, goal, a good goal and just leave it at that really it's just yet again one chance one goal isn't it it's just become synonymous with our home form this season quite a lot of the time yeah no absolutely but again as I say I think that it, it does just come down to for me, sometimes you hold your hands up at the quality of the move. Um, Sam, in terms of the performance in the second half against Leicester, I, Guardiola said afterwards, he, he, he talked about that thing about, you know, that, that we stopped playing or that we didn't know whether to attack or to defend. Um, do you think that's what happened in the second half? Do you Probably. Buy, do you buy his explanation? I guess that's what I'm asking. Um, well, I mean, I do buy it because I've, we've seen it a lot. Um, I suppose they would have been wary of, of Leicester and what they can do because you think, God, we've got a lead here. So if, if we keep attacking, which is what they, which is what happened with Arsenal and Monaco, you think if we, if we keep attacking, they're going to they're going to break on us. So I do buy it. It does make sense. I mean. It's, yeah, well, that's what I'd say, really. It certainly does make sense as, a, as an excuse slash reason. Whether it actually was, I, I can't put anything forward myself that's, that's any better, to be honest. I think it's consistent with the problems City have had when they've been in those kind of positions. Um, and also, Leicester, after 45 minutes of just kind of, let's sit back and see how it goes, I think they they just sensed it. And there was a, one of those momentum shifts. And, and yeah, I suppose it's difficult to to overcome those momentum shifts and I suppose the only way of doing it is to keep attacking and listen to Guardiola but obviously the players aren't quite there in terms of I don't know trust or belief or mentality or whatever Mm, yeah no absolutely Um, I believe that we have been joined by Mr Daisy Cutter Stephen Tudor Steve you there Hello, hello. Welcome. welcome. Hey. Apologies for the uh, for the timing mix up, but I'm very, very happy that, that you've joined us. Um, Good to be here. I, I want to ask you, uh, like in terms of that second half against Leicester, I've seen two different kind of uh, characterizations of it. I've seen people say that's a typically poor second half performance from City. And I've also seen people say that was a fantastically gritty second half performance from City. Um before we talk about the penalty, yeah, just tell me about that. Th- those two characterizations and which side of the fence you fall on. I kind of fall right down the middle, to be honest. I thought that, <laughs> well, in so much that I, I thought the predominant kind of mood that kind of pervaded through the team was nervousness. I, I think it was quite a nervy second half. Um, and so we had to dig in, which they, they did do. Um, but yeah, it wasn't the kind of the greatest of second half performances, but that, that goal before the break kind of, you know, uh, caused that, didn't it? So 
yeah, I'm, I'm struggling to think back, to be honest, because I've still got last night on my mind. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, I think yeah, it was. What, I just remember watching it, you know, the Leicester game, feeling very, very nervous because just mm. feeling that, you know, one kind of um, off pass, one little breakaway or something, and then we were screwed. So, uh, and I think that very much the players shared that sentiment. Yeah, I think it, it really was both that those things. Yeah. Uh, we did that goal, you know, that they got unsettled us, and I don't think we were the same after that. And, you know, I but there was a real grittiness in the defending and dealing with their threat. And it was the Leicester of old, and we just, I don't think we're very well set up to deal with this playing Leicester City. So I think in the end, we're just glad. And I know I've not mentioned first that, yeah, you know, I came away from the game afterwards thinking we're, we'd got away with it. But in the end, there was no real controversial decisions once I'd looked back at everything. And. Oh, it was what it about, was. Let's talk about Sterling's. Let's talk about Sterling in. Let's talk about that first goal, really, um, and Sterling's role in it, uh, and whether or not it should have been disallowed. I'm going to go to the neutral. I'm going to go to Sam first. Sam, um, hmm, yeah, was Sterling offside? Well, I, I tweeted this at the time, and I haven't flicked through the rules since. I mean, I think, I think technically, he probably was, but I don't. Actually, well, this is it, I suppose. I suppose it comes down to interpretation. I don't think, even though he was there and he did make an attempt to play the ball, you know, they showed it on match of the day. I think we'll probably get to that. And they said, look, if he wasn't if he wasn't there, would Fuchs and Schmeichel have had a better effort? Schmeichel was never getting that. You see where he was? He was ruined yeah. as well. He was never getting that, regardless of who was there. And Fuchs was on his feet as well. He was on his heels. He, he didn't look like he was going to... He, he, it's not like he made an attempt to get it, but Sterling was there. He did His body language, he... He, he wasn't going near that ball. So I think That's, eventually, whether the decision was actually technically correct going by the rules, I think it was the right decision because I don't think Sterling had actually had any effect on, on the players who could have stopped the ball going in. Well, I, I've looked up the rule, you know, I looked them up again and that is the it's absolutely the key point of whether it should be allowed or not. At the time, I thought, oh, we've got away with one there. You know, and if we had, I'd, I'd say so right now because, you know, there's no point just being blinkered but they actually got it right because basically it should be disallowed if Sterling, Sterling being offside is not a reason to disallow it. It's if he affects the attempts of uh, Schmeichel or was it Fuchs to get to the ball yeah. and he doesn't, uh, he's not in the eye line of the keeper, neither of them, if you take Sterling out of that, that situation, put him on the halfway line, none of those two Leicester players would have moved for that ball anyway. No. So if they moved towards, if they made one move towards the ball, then it would have to have been it should be disallowed because Sterling probably would have got in their way. But they made no move towards the ball, so it's irrelevant unless he touches it, which he didn't. And it doesn't matter if he swings at it; it's only if he's stopping, if he's affected the opposition's ability to get the ball. So there's no real. Con- I can see why people obviously can discuss it and say it's harsh, but. It's not the biggest controversy in the world. It's not as bad as I thought it was at the time it, when it happened. So, okay, um, Steve, what about for you? Same. I just think it really highlights how difficult the referee's job is because all this discussion we've had, kind of, you know, immediately afterwards and even up to now, um, and he's going to make that decision in a split second. You know, whether Sterling is interfering with play or not, and looking at it from various angles, you know, various angles, he doesn't. Um, have the benefit of so it's an incredibly difficult kind of law to pin down 
Uh, I think he made the right decision. At first, I thought he was Stonewall offside, and I thought he was inter- uh, interfering with play. And then when I saw the different kind of replays and different, you know, aspects of it, you know, I, I agree with with um, Sam and Howard. So, yeah, w- what pisses me off, quite frankly, though, <laughs> is the fact that this was a borderline decision that fell in our favour, and how much has been made of it. Uh-huh. You know, how many decisions have we got got you know against us this season, and we finally get an offside call in our favour. And it, it's like the apocalypse has fallen. So that's kind of really annoyed me uh, in, the, in the last week. It's like... almost as if the presenter and match of the day supports the opposition team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's almost as if Alan Shearer just sits there agreeing with everything he says. But, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be that blinker to think that. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Listen, do we, do we like this? The, I mean, the, the, this offside rule, yeah, it gets talked about every season. Steve, do you like it? Or do you think they should go back to the old way of offside is offside no i i am in favor of it i just also feel that it's an incredibly difficult one to nail down okay um sam what about you do you like it or do you think they should get rid of it uh, i like it because the interpretation look it, it works both ways doesn't it and they they can interpret that it was um, making a, an attempt to play the ball or whatever and they could have given it offside but I think leaving it to interpretation is much better than than black or white and just saying right well he was there so he's offside yeah I, I think the interpretation is better and look we've said a lot about refs and they're either not very good or they don't get enough help but I do think allowing them to make decisions rather than just saying look well he was in an offside position so we stopped the play I think I think it's better okay. yeah uh, Howard I agree. There's no perfect offside system, I don't think. But this is, if you add video technology to this, it would be fine because if it's gone in the net, you know, it could be looked at. But that's a whole new argument into it's. It's not perfect, but just saying offside is offside is even less perfect because that's just a bit ridiculous. Really, you've got someone stood near the corner flag; it's not affecting play. So, no, I think it's the best of a bad bunch of options, but. I think you know with the money in the game, we can. They could have analysed that anyway and had someone in the stands who could say, "No, nah, he didn't affect the two Leicester players," and and make decisions like that. So, I just think it's. I mean, to be honest, I think it's one of those marginal calls that I'm not even convinced that you know a video replay is going to guarantee that the decision goes our way because you know it's it's it is about interpreting that law and. You know they can interpret it any way they want. So, but yeah, I, I would I would agree with the three of you broadly speaking that I I don't understand the fuss that every season you feel like one manager will come out after a game and go I don't understand this rule I don't understand why they don't go back to the old ways and it's just like yeah whatever dinosaur anyway. Um, next, I want to talk about well this this two plays that I want to talk about specifically. We'll talk we'll talk about Vinny first and his effect upon Otamendi. Um, I, I'll speak very quickly first. I think that... Uh, firstly, having Vinny in the team, I mean, it, it's just unbelievable. It really, the difference is the consistency of... Everybody around him plays so much more better and so much more consistently. And you feel as though... Players are making the right decisions. And I think that with Vinny and with, with, with Artemendi, I mean, those two look like a world-class partnership. 
And that's not because Otamendi's a world-class centre-half. That's because Vincent Company is so much of a world-class centre-half that he makes Otamendi look... He allows Otamendi to do whatever it is that Otamendi does. Um, I, I just... I'm... Uh, I'm one of those guys who four months ago thought that Vincent Company's football career was finished. Um, and I'm now sat here going, Vincent Company's got to be, you know, like he, we've got a plan next season with him. I mean, his, his just his, his dominance in, in everything that he does and, and his distribution in particular uh, against Leicester and last night as well was just really top, top draw. Um, who should I start with? Steve, I'm going to start with you. Talk to me about Vinny and about Otamendi and their performance against Leicester and what you thought. Okay. Um, I echo all of that, firstly. Um, but I wrote this week about um, in, in praise of Otamendi. And really, I think he's vastly improved since late January. Yeah. And Vinny came back on April the 4th. Now, you put anyone next to Vincent Company, and he's going to get you know pulled into shape. That's just the nature of Company. That's that's what he brings, you know. Mm. Um, so there's no doubting that since the two of them have kind of coupled up, we've looked considerably tighter at the back, better organised, more assured. But I think it kind of devalues Otamendi's improvement to just attribute it to, to you know being partnered with Company. I think he he um, he just looked a far better, more assured defender. Before Vinny came back, um, he doesn't dive in so much anymore. He, he stays on his feet. Um, one thing that he still hasn't eradicated is a bit of wayward passing when not under pressure, which is bizarre. Yeah. Under pressure, he's fine. When he's got time to think, <laughs> you know, he, he can just find the opposition centre forward for, you know, for no reason, apparent reason whatsoever. Um, but that aside, I think he's vastly improved Otamendi. And, um, go on, sorry. Oh, no, no. Would you take forty million off Real Madrid for him this summer? Um, yes, if we had kind of targets, you know, lined up to replace him. Um, you know, we spoke. Why do you need to replace him if he's so 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 much improved? Because it could be a temporary thing. We we don't know because what we've seen of him since he arrived was kind of, you know, hot and cold. Um, you know, prone to the Hollywood tackle, um, prone to a, a gaff here and there, um, but at the same time brilliant at other you know games um, for a full ninety as well. So didn't know what to make of him. Never reliable in that regard, and now he is. But that could just be you know a temporary thing. You know, so um, yeah, forty million. If we can have someone like Cellini or you know whoever lined up, uh, then yeah, absolutely. But. I personally like to see him stay because I love a guy. I've I've always fought his corner. Um, I just, you know, it's, it's how much kind of trust I could place in him, how much faith. Um, but as regards to him being a City player, uh, I just love having a player of that type at the back. Yeah, no, I do. I do see. What, I do see what you mean. Although I, I would um, caveat that with I do like the fact that Pep seems to have figured out a way to uh, put a brain inside his skull, which, yeah. which is. Uh, which is the big improvement for me, um, Howard? What about for you? Uh, the do you think that I've been a little bit unfair because I, I I did kind of set that up that way for a reason, and I'm glad that Steve took the bait. But do, you think <laughs> I, do you think I've been a bit harsh on Amendi there in terms of by basically couching it as it's Vinny coming back? That is why we look so good defensively. Or do you think that, that what he's saying is fair? That actually since the turn of the year, and even with Stones alongside him, Otamendi has been really good 
Yeah, I'd, I'd lean towards Stephen. I mean, he was, he deserved a lot of the criticism he's had. You know, there's, there was a general uh, six months ago, we, you know, we, I think he was pretty much written off because we just couldn't get, I mean, he'd have games where he was excellent, but you just couldn't, he couldn't rely on him to do this game in, game out. And I think he has slowly just reined himself in. Uh, I have still have concern about his pace or lack of it. Uh, but if you're clever enough, you can get around that because, and yeah, but but let's let's be honest. Company next to him, obviously, has taken him up another level again. But yeah, I'll say it until blue in the face. You play the same two defenders with each other week in week out. They will get better. They will understand each other. Uh, and I do think our defenders have been thrown to the wolves over the last. Yeah. couple of seasons because we don't play the same two every week we don't play a system that really protects them much uh, and it's nice to see now some stability and uh, you know it's many factors it's he had to rein he had to rein in his impulses he had to learn the system uh, but the manager had to start deciding who to play every week and stop changing it around because I don't think it helps them uh, in time maybe it will because they'll all be used to each other but you know, it's all still quite fresh. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah, as Stephen said, I'm not convinced. You know, this will last forever. And if you could get 40 million, put 10 million on that and get Benucci, then you're not going to say no to that, are you? So, but I do like the idea of giving players chances. So uh, long may it continue. Uh, and we may discuss later, though, where does it leave uh, the 50 million pound defender who isn't playing? But I do like the fact that we're we're staying with a winning team at the moment. So, okay, um, Sam, what about for you? Just in terms of uh, actually, what what I'd like you to answer for me is: Do you think that the partnership or the way that the partnership between Company and Ottomendi currently looks? Do you think that this is potentially going to turn into a headache for Guardiola going into the summer? Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. I've been wondering in the last couple of days if. Because I kind of assumed that, you know, well, if company I hadn't have had this spell, and I think they'd have, if not got rid of him, they'd certainly have bought somebody to replace him, just because you couldn't, you couldn't rely on him, and that would mean that if you buy Bonucci or whoever, then fine, you've you've got someone who's going to be undisputed first choice, or at least somebody who's going to play next to Stones. But with company, you wonder if you have him, and then the order then has been shuffled a bit because Otamendi as we've said has improved and that's left Kolarov probably his fourth choice certainly has been first choice recently because he hasn't played centre back for ages and then you think if they do sign somebody in the summer then it'll be Kolarov who ends up going and company stays but then if Otamendi although he did play well with Mangala this time last year if if something happens to company and you know god forbid he gets injured again because it would be horrible to see but if something did happen and Otamendi ended up losing his form then it is a headache because it just leaves you thinking who do we buy who's he going to replace what are the knock-on effects as we say with Otamendi because he can go from one extreme to the other it's you know it's going to be a big decision to make in the summer and I, I just I just wonder how it's going to go because there's, there's just so many different variables to it what's your gut feeling which way do you think this is going to fall <sighs> obviously I think it'd be Company Stones and Otamendi and someone else, and then maybe Kolarov just ends up 
floating around as a backup do a job back. do a job everywhere kind of thing. And if it gets to later in the summer where they don't need a backup left back because they've got two good ones, maybe maybe they could let him go. That's how I kind of see it at the moment. But anything can happen, and uh, and it is it is horrible and predictable to say, but anything can happen with company fitness wise. Even though he looks better than ever at the moment, so but that's how I see it at the moment, really. Okay, beautiful. Um, I want to talk about Gabby Jesus leading the line and 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 how that looked. I think it's a little bit unfair to judge him on the Leicester game um, because he's still coming back from injury, particularly physical side. Yeah, um, but I still felt that his performance was very good. I want to say excellent. Because I love the kid, but no, I'll go with very good. I thought his performance was very good. And certainly, for me anyway, I can see what he brings that's different to what Aguero brings when he plays in that position. I'm not necessarily saying it's better, but I'm definitely saying that I can see what the difference is when, when Gabby plays as opposed to, to when when Con plays. Um Howard, what did you what did you think of him leading the line? What were your thoughts on that performance? No, I, I genuinely agree. He's been he's been doing just fine. Uh, as you say, I mean, he, he spoke as a youngster. He used to get kicked all over football pitches, so he's not gonna it's not gonna be that much of a shock to him. But I don't think he'll have played many teams like Leicester, and it will have been different for him. Uh, I think it's good. He's not scored, you know, because he's not come in and scored two goals every game. I think it's good for us to temper our expectations. He's not going. We can't just get rid of Aguero and he'll lead the line for the next 10 years. Uh, he's still very young and he's still got a lot to learn, but nothing's changed my opinion of him. He's, he's going to be a superstar, I think. And, he's, yeah, as you say, he's, he's defined live, work rate, liveliness, his composure, he's cool. And to take a penalty off Yaya Torre, uh, <laughs> I just couldn't believe that happened, to be honest. So... I don't know the reasoning behind it, but again, just composure for for a kid is amazing. So, uh, yeah, it all bodes well, and to just stay fit and really start next season fired up. Uh, as you say, we don't want someone the same as Aguero anyway. We want different players, and exactly. we don't want we don't want eleven brilliant players. We want about eighteen or nineteen of them. So. And about six who can, you know, fill gaps and some youth. Of course, you need that blend. Uh, and yep, I'm just really excited to see him next season. Really, just you know, when he's really got going. So, okay, um, Steve. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of in terms of Gabby, do you think that one of the things that that really impressed me and Howard kind of touched upon it is that because he's come from the Brazilian league and I. I once City became heavily linked, I tried to watch the the tail end of Palmeiras' run in the um, yeah. Copa Libertadores or whatever it was. Um, and the thing that really stood out for me was that he got the absolute living shit kicked out of him by these proper grok footballers who just weren't interested <laughs> in anything other than. I mean, I, I remember watching it and going, "He's he's gonna find he's gonna find the Premier League all right compared to this because it felt like because he was the kind of new." star on the block and Palmeiras were doing so well it just felt like every game I watched he'd spend 90 minutes getting kicked up into the air and from behind so it got to a point where he knew the challenge was coming and he was just bracing himself to get taken out again Um, and so because of that 
I feel as though he's ready and robust enough to, in terms of what Howard's talking about, about him being very young. I think it's true that in terms of his age, he's very young. But if you look at the way he plays football, he doesn't play football like somebody who's green. He plays with the movement and the intelligence of somebody vastly more experienced. Um, would you go along with that? Or do you think, again, that I'm, I'm kind of exaggerating what I'm seeing in him? No, I think there's two different points in there which need kind of discussing. I mean, firstly, talking about him not being green, absolutely. He, he plays with the kind of the maturity of someone 10 years is, is elder. And um, with the movement he makes and the way he kind of, you know, his temperament, um, everything about that lad is just pure class. And we're witness, witnessing it from the off. So it's immensely exciting. But when you're talking about him getting the, kind of the living crap kicked out of him, I think it's led to my only fault that I would, you know, kind of um, throw his way at this point, which is I think he needs to cut out the kind of rolling around on the floor for lengthy periods of time uh, and put more trust in British referees. Now, this will come just through, you know, from playing. You know, he will realise this. He might not even need to be told this. But right now what's happening is, Exactly as you said, Alexander, he'll brace himself for a challenge. There'll be a slightest of nicks. It's a foul all day long, but it's not a leg breaker by any stretch. He goes down, he rolls around for a good 30 seconds or a minute. Now, that's to our detriment there on two levels. One, you know, we, we, we're up, we're away, minus our, our kind of attacker. And also, it's just, it, it slows down our play. And, you know, if we're at home against, you know, a Leicester City or a Crystal Palace or whoever it may be, that plays into the opposition hands more than it does to ours. So it's only a minor point, but I just like to see him cut that out. The you know, once you've won a foul, get up. You don't have to do all the histrionics. It's I, I know, you know, in, in, as part of kind of the Brazilian culture out there, uh, and the South American culture, I really should say, um, that's part and parcel of it. You know, you get kind of thugs out to get you and you have to get whatever advantage you can get over them by, you know, kind of over dramatizing kind of challenges. Not over here, you don't. So I'd like to see him cut that out. I disagree wholeheartedly. I don't. Okay. I don't think we have enough gamesmanship within the team. <laughs> We're too honest. I think that too many of our players don't complain. Are quick to get up. I, I'm, I'm, I'm. We need a player who's who's schooled in 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 a little bit of that kind of. In general terms, in general terms. But you, you know, like, as I said, then I think it's to our detriment. Well, I think I, t I take your point. I think that if you if you were going to talk about you know the idea of the game being slowed down, I completely agree with that. But if we're going to talk about him going down early or taking an extra roll after he's after he's gone down, that sort of stuff, or getting up and moaning at the ref, I'm. Mm. I, I, I'm I'm I've got no problem with that. I think that you know, I mean it's one of it's a weird one. It's it's interesting that that you bring this up because it's it's kind of don't you think this kind of feeds into a lot of what we felt all season in terms of decisions not going. I mean I remember having a conversation on a podcast about how does Sterling and Sane get penalties because it feels like they because they're so quick because of their movement and their agility refs aren't they don't see the contact and they're not brave enough to give the penalty um, and I think that that leads to a situation where players are going to go down more easily in our team certainly in mm. Sackers if I was the coach I'd be saying that I'd be saying you go down every chance you get so Howard jump in disagree with me no I'm team A son <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> again. Well, well, there will be again on the future pod. <laughs> Yet to be done. Uh, now, you know, I hate, I absolutely hate what Stephen's describing. And I said this a couple of weeks ago. But if everyone else is doing it and getting away with it, then we must do it as well because we have no option. And I'd love it. It's one of the things I hate most about modern football. So in a way, I'm kind of totally agreeing with what Stephen says, but I'm actually totally disagreeing because it's just what modern football is. And we either we either lose out or we join in and do it. And, you know, I hate it. I really do hate it. But we've got to play the game. Uh, there's players cheating all over the place for 90 minutes, claiming throw-ins they know aren't theirs, going in the referee's face, trying to get players sent off. Uh, what choice do we have? I mean, we either be really nice about it and lose points, or we do it and we get other players sent off, like they get our players sent off. So I'm afraid. I've not really noticed him doing it that much. You know, it's not it's hardly Luis, Luis Suarez levels which really irritates me yeah. you know, uh, to the point that he'll jump 12 feet up in the air and land down after stepping on someone else's foot as he once did with company. It's not to that level as yet. Uh, it depends if we're, you know, City, if he does it, he'll get booked for diving and when another player and another team wouldn't. But I'm afraid you've got to do, you know, you've got to do whatever gives you the best chance of winning the game because that's what everyone else is doing. So, yeah. Um, that's that's life. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, very quickly, I want to wrap up on the Leicester game by Sam talking about the uh, the Mares penalty. Firstly, was it right to be disallowed? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, no, I'm, 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 I've got a series of questions here. Um, yeah, yeah, go for it. So it, it was right to be disallowed. Were you surprised that that particular referee had the um, backbone to make that decision? Um, oh, I don't know. Um, I'm obviously I've, down the garden path about that particular ref. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm just, I was thinking more about other refs who would kind of, or are perceived to would have enjoyed giving that. You, know, you can imagine Mike Dean loving it. He would have loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just trying, I'm just trying to work out. Was it Bobby Madley? If, if, but I mean, look, these are these are refs, and again, these are elite refs, aren't they? They get paid plenty of money and they are they god they might not be what what everybody wants but they are better than everyone else in the country and he saw it and he knew it was the rules and he and he gave it and i suppose you you can't say fairer than that uh i suppose maybe it is surprising because you just don't see it and in the champions league obviously like four days before griezmann did it and they didn't give it so maybe it's a bit surprising that it was given but I don't, I don't know what I can say, really. Okay. Well, you, you touched upon something. You, you said there that it was fair. Is mm. the rule fair? Howard, let's, uh, let's, let's maybe slide this over to you because I feel as though you might have something strong to say about this. <laughs> now, I believe no. that Gary Lineker said on Match of the Day that the rule itself is unfair because the rule was brought in to stop people show, uh, what was it, showboating or taking more than one touch. But anyway. Well... I think it would. I think it was designed to stop. If you if you took the penalty, welled it against the bar, and it came back out, you can't then knock it in. So if it's two consecutive touches, that would be, wouldn't it? So that's kind of where the rule is designed for. Uh, is it fair? Yeah, that's the rules. What, what's the what, what's the problem? <laughs> what what could possibly be the problem with that? 
that's the real you can't touch the ball twice it's but if he'd slipped and hit it over the bar would we let him take it again i mean what why should we let him take it again because he slipped and hit it into the net or hit it against his other you can't touch it twice that's the rule if you took a throw in and slipped and it dropped onto your head and went out then it'd be a throw into you know that's life isn't it people slip make mistakes and decision again given against you there's no reason to de- debate this whatsoever apart from the fact that the host of the match of the day was having a hissy fit because it went against his side well, if and, you for, and more to the point because it was noticed by the referee that's what annoyed him the referee noticed it and made a correct decision yeah. but, and other people have got away with it in the past so it wasn't fair that he noticed it this time well tough luck <laughs> you know a if, weird if, conversation on that yeah on that well if you're going to go by that then let's all Argentinians can punch the ball into the net because Maradona got away with it once, so it's not fair. To bring, it's not fair to uh, call other footballers up on it, is it? It's like, so what? That's the rule, yeah. Of course, you get one clean hit at the ball. It's like a free kick or anywhere else on the pitch. It's just, uh, it's just annoying. Isn't it? It's just the coverage sometimes makes you want to tear your hair out. I mean, yeah, we're lucky in a way that he slips, though. We have got the probably the keeper with the best save record of any of our keepers in probably a generation from penalties. So we don't know. He might have saved it anyway. But, yeah, there's no hard luck story. It's just one of those things, isn't it? And the rule is fine. There's no reason to change it for different situations. You're supposed to kick the ball once towards the net. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) And if you don't, then Excellent description. And as for encroachment, watch... uh, there's a YouTube video of Leicester's 17 penalties, 14 of which will have been for Vardy dives, by the way, yeah. from last season. In about 10 of them, they were encroaching Leicester players. I'm, I guarantee you, Gary wasn't pulling up that encroachment on match of the day last season when they were going towards a title. But suddenly it's an issue now, even though it happens at every single penalty. Well... Sorry, it's just one of those rules that that's ignored, and it's always ignored, so it doesn't become an issue when it goes against the host, the team of the host of a highlights programme or goes in the favour of Manchester City. It doesn't work that way. Mm. Otherwise, I'm not that bothered. So, <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Right, on, on, on that wonderful note, let's move forward to, uh, to West Brom and last night, uh, Stee. Um, mm-hmm. Sam and, 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 and Howard and myself all spoke about Sabaleta at the start of the podcast. Um, do you want to say a few words about Sabo and, and kind of what yeah. he means to you and to, yeah, just just a few words before we talk about the game itself. Um, well, I wrote about Sabo this week and I kind of got it all down on print kind of thing. But then um, this morning, um, and I don't even know why I wrote it. I, I literally, I've just written just a short para here. So I'll basically just read out. You know, I was writing something else. But I just had to get this out because it was kind of swirling around my head. And basically, I, I won't read it out word for word, but what is what I was trying to get across was the best thing about last night for me and all the days that led up to last night was it was far more than Blues showing them their sincere appreciation for a, you know, a player who's become loved. And I think it's because we now live in an age with fake news and you know, where politicians just lie to his left, right and centre and get away with it, whereas Zabba was like the honest, most honest player imaginable. And everyone, not just City fans, saluted that. And we also live in a time when horrible people have a microphone and demand the most attention. People like Kate Hawkins, P- Piers Morgan. All the praise for Pablo, 
extended beyond his kind of attributes on the pitch to his decency, to his approachability and off it. So that's what I got from it the past week, really. Just the avalanche of appreciation for a player and a man. It's like a reassurance that traits that some regard as being old-fashioned, like honesty, loyalty, bravery, the willingness to work really hard and just remaining down-to-earth throughout all that, they're still thought really, really highly of by the man on the street. And that's basically what why the last week has meant a lot to me personally because I've kind of seen how people have reacted to this player and, of course, there's no doubt in his abilities and what he's given to Man City, but also just, you know, the kind of man he was as well and the people saluting that. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of been a real eye-opener to me, really kind of reassuring, you know, there's some decent people about uh, kind of saluting a decent man. Mm. Yeah, no, I would, I would go along with that. I think, the, I think something you touched on, maybe we didn't talk about earlier, was really if you look at the, the kind of reactions from, from neutrals or from from supporters mm. of other clubs or from journalists who have dealt with Zabba, just, you know, to a man. And, you know, in, in moments like this, when what you, you can, you have what you call lip service and the kind of, you know, the, the, the kind of, the professionals come out and they pay lip service to players. And I don't feel like it was paying lip service. I feel like it was real and it was genuine and it was extended across the board. Well, as I say, whether it was neutrals, people in the media, city supporters, Everybody, the, the the kind of the love for him was there. Um, yeah. Do you think it was the right decision to leave him on the bench last night and not start him, Steve? Um, it was a risk. It really was a risk because when he came on, you know, we were three 0 up, and it was a perfect time to bring him on. You know, last half hour. So in hindsight, when you look at it as a whole, it makes perfect sense. It, it gives him, you know, a chance to come on to a kind of a hero's welcome as well as leave it to a hero's welcome. But it was a risk because if you're 1-0 down and you know, a player's been injured you know, in, in an advanced position or something, so you know we've only got a couple of subs left and we need to bring on an, a, another winger or whatever, it might well be where he didn't come on at all last night. So uh, before the game, that's how I regarded it, as kind of a risk, and ultimately it paid off. Okay, excellent. Um, so with, with last night's West Brom game, because I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of similarities to to the Leicester game. Um, the, what I want to talk about from last night, or try and get a, some type of discussion about, is the uh, the way that Aguero, Jesus and Sane works together as a front three and how we feel that compares to Sterling, Sane and Jesus or Sterling, Sane and, and, and Aguero. Um, Sam, I'll start with you just again from the, the kind of the view from the press box, so to speak. How did it look for you? Uh, um, obviously, Jesus Jesus didn't provide the same kind of threat as Sterling, um, but I suppose next season that won't matter so much if you've got a right back who can really get forward and allow the winger to come in, which seems to be what as you know Guardiola said himself he wants to do. So it's not so bad then because Jesus can go centrally and link up with with Aguero and in that sense I really like the dynamic because he obviously he tried to get them to play together at Middlesbrough and it was just awful but this one this way just really seemed to work and again similarly to Leicester West Brom obviously let's say have a lot of the ball so they had a lot of a lot of chances to make it work and I, I don't know how well it would work away from home but you know for the first attempt uh, it, it looked good and Sane carried on doing what he did obviously he, he had a, he had that good chance he should have scored it but it was good, and I, I liked how how Jesus 
made that right hand role work, and I think it it would work better next season when you've got a fullback there who can come buccaneering down the outside and can essentially be another winger. I think I think there's there's potential there. That's a great word, that buccaneering. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, such a word associated with fullbacks as well. <laughs> bit, of yeah. a cliche, bit of a cliche, actually. It does, though. That, those fullbacks will change everything, wouldn't they, with the, the overlapping? I mean, the overlaps we should get with, you know, really pacey at uh, young, mobile fullbacks would just be astonishing, to be honest. And uh, you could put Sterling, I don't know if you could have swapped Sterling for Jesus. I don't think it would have gone much different last night. Yeah. Uh, you know, because they're all young, fast, energetic players, aren't they? Obviously, they've got slightly different skill sets, but they're not a million miles apart for me. So, Weirdly I enough, think... I thought we were more defensively... I felt yeah. that we were defensively better um, yeah, with Jesus. the press. I think with Jesus yeah. playing on the right, I felt as though there was a kind of a positional solidity to the team. Um and I'm not saying that Sterling doesn't defend because he works incredibly hard. I wonder whether with Jesus it is more of a... I don't know. There was there was something in the positions that he was taking up defensively and the way in which he was pressing and the, the timing of his press that it seemed to work better. And I know that Stefan kind of pulled me on it on Twitter and just kind of went, well, West Brom add Rondon up top by himself and it's a fair shout but then their kind of most quote-unquote creative player is Chris Brunt and he played from from Jesus's side and 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 he didn't get a sniff either um so yeah no I I I thought it worked really 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 well to the point where and I love Sterling and Steve I'm going to throw this your way obviously Mm. you know how much I love Sterling but I sort of tweeted earlier today that I can kind of see one of the wingers, whether it be Sterling or Sane, dropping out a lot more next season than Jesus and Aguero playing together a lot more next season. And bear in mind, I'm just taking that off one 90-minute performance last night against a side who did, who weren't really that interested in, in attacking. But as I said to Stefan, I feel as though the vast majority of teams we play, they play with a low block. They're not that interested in attacking. So, yeah, what do you, what do you think? Do you think that I'm, again, getting too giddy here? No, no. I mean, first of all, I've got to say, just imagine having Brunt as your creative outlet, <laughs> supporting a team where Brunt is your creative player. But God forbid. But um, no, hey, I, I, I remember agree. Support, hold on, hold on. I remember supporting Man City when Chris <laughs> Brunt was a player that we used to dream. Like, for, he's, he's a player who I remember thinking, "Oh man, if we could get somebody like Chris Brunt on the left hand side." So yeah, fair point. Yeah, it was a bit supercilious there, but. but I'm basically just like to echo what Howard said in a previous pod about this, really, where nice. I'm all in favour of that. If it's a case where Jesus kind of takes Sterling's place next season, it won't be a case where he's taking his place for 60 games, you know? There's going to be games where um, Sterling starts, where you know um, Aguero and Jesus play together, um, or where we play Sané, kind of Sterling and Aguero. It's, it's just going to be a mixture of things next season. And what we want, really, are, are, are options uh, and a variety of, of, of kind of, um, you know, attacks there. And that's what we're going to get. Um, so, yeah, what last night showed to me was Jesus can play in that role. 
I thought he was excellent. I thought, I've got to say as well, the front kind of five or six, the fluidity of the movement was exceptional last night. Absolutely exceptional. I think a lot of passes didn't come off. I think Yaya kind of reverted back to his trying to thread a ball through six defenders kind of thing. Um, so there was, a, there was a few kind of faults and flaws there. But the actual movement off the ball was fantastic. Um, anytime I saw Aguero out, out left, instantly I'd look to see where Jesus was, right in the centre, taking his place. They just slotted into each other's roles you know, effortlessly. So um, he showed he can play that role, and he was highly effective, I thought. But, you know, you know as, as well, as that, it doesn't mean that that means we should write off Sterling for next season or that Sterling's going to be a bit part player. It just means that we now know that we've got Jesus uh, on the right if necessary. Oh, totally. I mean, that's why I said that I, I, I think that it will be Sterling and Sane that will rotate out. And, and yeah. Because I feel as though, you know, in, even in terms of like the balance, having the pace on one side in an out-and-out kind of wide player will hug the touchline and then having on the other side somebody like Jesus who maybe will drift into more central areas, I think is... Uh, yeah, I, I can see I can see that being Guardiola's go-to thing. Although Man City Brazil um, from Twitter disagreed with me quite vehemently this morning. <laughs> he thinks that that Pep will still favour the two out-and-out wide men, um, but we shall see. We shall see. Um, Howard, yes. What did you make <laughs> of Torre's performance last night? Uh, I would say. Perfect game for him. Uh, I thought it was excellent, but it was a game that was pretty easy for him because he's not playing, you know, <laughs> he's not really being run around by a mobile, energetic midfield. Uh, it just suited him perfectly, but I thought it was pretty classy nevertheless. Do you think that he uh, should be... Bear in mind the number of teams that we play who do sort of play dead like that. Um do you think that? Yeah. It's, do you think we've got to keep Torre? Basically, yeah. I think. I mean, we won't collapse as a team, obviously, if he goes. So we'll carry on. But yes, the argument for keeping him, for me at least, is not to play him every week. We know that, and probably not to play him in the big matches either, or not a lot of them. Uh, but yeah, exactly. We can't play every player every week, even if we're all fit. And he'd be invaluable for someone who's already here that we might as well just keep for another year. And, you know, it could be on lower wages anyway. Uh, And then we don't have to find money to replace him. It'd just be perfect for games like this where he can control games without being run past. And we know the problem is his his legs, his energy, his tracking back. And there's games where he just will not be appropriate. But even coming off the bench, he could be. I mean, how destructive could he be? coming off the bench against the time side because his use of the ball is just phenomenal and and he can't be you can't get the ball off him and his shooting's brilliant his long range shooting is brilliant it's, when he went through against West Brom was there any doubt whatsoever that was going into the back of the net no. it was it was essentially 3-0 there and then as soon as he <laughs> broke through uh, who else can you rely you know of course of course he's got, he'll have his uses but it will be sparing use and it depends if he's prepared for that but I think and he discussed it earlier with, with Sam it's all you know I'm just guessing here conjecture but I would imagine the other lucrative offers have not appeared as he first suspected they would do 
Uh, and this could really, even a, a bit part role at City for another year, could be the best option available to him. So, yeah. I, yeah, I really do want him to stay because I know you're going to debate this a lot more <laughs> with Damo on a pod, but I can't understand how, he, how a, a fan cannot see he has his uses in certain situations in certain games and... He can just, you know, he can just thread those balls through, can't he? Like no one other, no one else, sometimes. So, definitely. Awesome, um, Sam. Were West Brom really shit and on the beach uh, in that <laughs> first half in particular, or was City just on another level in terms of their pressing and their movement and their attacking play and their bravery? Yeah, a bit of both, and also it's a problem with. With a lot of teams with this outlook, and it's you know it's been the same thing even with United recently. You go you you go to a a ground and you put ten men behind the ball, and I mean, that's a bit of a cliche itself. But that's literally what they did. It was run on up front by himself, and then if if that becomes undone, what do you do? And they were just they probably didn't have the same motivation. And yeah, if you look at their last few games, well, they had, they hadn't scored in six of their seven games since they got 40 points or since they beat Arsenal, mm. which was 43 points. So the motivation probably wasn't there, but it's just, it's just, that's, that, that's what you get when, when you have a game plan like that. If, if it gets, if it comes unstuck and chances are, it's going to, because you're the team creating a lot of chances, then you've, you've just got nothing. And city are probably the worst team in the league that you could, well, maybe they're not because city could be, you know, they could create plenty of chances and miss them. But you know what I mean? City are probably going to create more chances than any other side. West Brom did it at United and they got a nil nil draw and look pretty comfortable, but you, you're not going to get a nil nil draw at this stage of the season with, with City going for something and West Brom not, I think it was just it was just a mixture of everything really, motivation, ability, and the two approaches. Yeah, yeah, no, I would, um, I would, I would very much go along with that. Um, Steve, in terms of the uh, the way that we played in the second half, do you think that the changes were so okay? We're we're three nil up, but do you think that even at three nil up, it was a risk to kind of make the Zabalata change as early as you did? It just kind of felt like that all of those changes were a little bit. There was a little bit of sentiment involved in every single one of them, um, and mm. I, I don't know. I mean, it just surprised me. I guess that you know I would have started Zabaleta, but I'm in that sense I'm sentimental in that I would look at him leaving as as such a huge thing that he deserves to start. But at the same time, the last thing I want from the manager of Manchester City is for him to be anything. I want him to be anything but sentimental because all he should be worried about is winning the game. And so it was a little bit kind of, um, it was weird to see, feel as though Pep was acting on, on, on sentiment, on sentiment. Um, well, there's an argument whether that's the case anyway, to be honest, mate. I mean, you know, he brought a right back on for a creative midfielder Um and then kind of you know brought uh, pushed Fernandinho into midfield, so you could say that was the logical move. But at that stage of the game, anyway, with the game pretty much wrapped up, um, so yeah, whether it's well, personally, I believe it was sentimental. But you know, I'm just saying there is an argument otherwise, and there is a logic behind it also. Um, but yeah, it felt testimonially, and um, just creating a new word there, and like it was <laughs> testimonially. <laughs> and it was very much to our kind of detriment because we just the last half hour we kind of fell to pieces a little bit 
Um, it just looked a lot, you know, quite ragged. Um, and yeah, Zaba, the occasion was, you know, too much for him, really. You know, that was not the Zaba we know. It was kind of, um, he was trying to strip it all back to basics that bit um, where he, he contro- I don't know if you saw the bit where he, yeah, uh, he and it went out it and he just booted it out like I don't, I don't I, I, <laughs> even, the look on his face was just like well, okay what am I doing here what what am I doing here my favourite moment of that was James McLean just giving him a pat on the back <laughs> a sympathetic pat on the back <laughs> but yeah so the occasion kind of got to him um and Stones was rusty as hell. I mean, I'm not judging him for a second on that performance last night because it was just pure rust. Um, and yes, yeah, so the second half wasn't a patch on the first. Uh, whether kind of Pep deserves any kind of criticism for the you know the timing of his substitutions and and the substitutions that he made, I don't know. I personally would have kept company on. Uh, that aside, I don't have a great problem with it. How would I, I assume? How would Hutchin <laughs> describe? <laughs> Guardiola's yeah. substitutions as amateurish last night. <laughs> just, just put it I out did. There. Who did? That's what my agenda says, Howard. My agenda says were the uh, orchestrated substitutions amateurish. No, that's not me stating it. That's me asking the question. Okay, you're floating the question. What did you make of the substitutions then, Howard? Uh, no, I was perfectly fine with them at the time, but we're three nil up. I don't think we're that. I think we should have had another three or four anyway. I think it was all yeah. a bit testimonially. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, am I the only person now still anxiously looking at the league table yeah. <laughs> as we go four nil down at Watford on Sunday? Uh, that game was not meaningless, so I'm quite happy with the that Zabaleta doesn't start because there were three points to be won, but we could have 100%. And I know it's like probably 50 to 1 that Arsenal can overtake us, but we have to be professional. And that sloppy goal at the end and the late goal for Arsenal and the five goals behind us on goal difference, and really it should have just been put to bed last night. So... Agreed. I could see why he did it. It didn't look like that. I mean, they hadn't even been near a half for 20 minutes, so it wasn't as if he was totally unbalancing the team. But yeah, it did kind of take our focus away, and there was a job to be done. So, slight, but I didn't have a problem at the time, let's be honest. So, it's harsh for me to criticise now. So, Okay, good. Wonderful. Um, okay, to wrap up, I want to ask very quickly who we all thought was the man of the match. Sam, who was your man of the match from, from last night? <clears throat> Uh, Aguero, I think. Yeah, rock and roll. Um, Steve? Zappa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that announcement. <laughs> yeah. um, Didn't they no, announce I, it I, twice? I, Didn't yeah, they announce they did. it with like eight minutes to go, just like really normally like, oh yeah, by the way, Zabaleta was bad on the match. Yeah. And then in like stoppage time, they like really give it the big licks. So I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> I'm so glad you said that, Sam. I thought I imagined that. Yeah. Yeah, it was odd. Because it was one of those where I just heard them say Pablo Zabaleta with about eight minutes to go. I was like, why have they said that? I was like, you must have got man on a match. And then they did it again, yeah. It was uh, quite muted odd. the first time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was very I muted, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, I'd probably go for um, Aguero, man of the match, last night. Okay. Howard? Uh, yeah, Aguero. He's involved in every car I want to, so. Yeah. Really? Nobody's, nobody's, nobody's leaning towards KDB here? No, if you watch, re-watch the highlights, the girl, Aguero's does something brilliant in every one, basically. Oh, so that's true. This is, no, no, uh, it's a beautiful flick through to, you know, De Bruyne for the first. Uh, obviously, puts a through ball for the the third goal. Uh, no, he's just 
he was just uh, superb, and you can see Guardiola was so happy with how he played as well. It's, it's as though it's he'd come of age suddenly, he'd got everything he wanted out of him that he's been asking for all season. There, uh, yeah, he was just absolutely everywhere. So, okay, I would to be honest, I would have given it to Aguero as well. I'm just surprised that nobody um, nobody mentioned KDB because I thought that after what was a weirdly again against. Yeah. Um, Against Leicester, Leicester. Yeah, I thought he was just I thought he was really poor again he just it was like again it was like somebody had you know blindfolded him and said pass the ball he was just everything was going all over the place but no he was I thought he was excellent last night um, but yeah no I would have I would have given, given Aguero man of the match uh, right I'm going to wrap up with uh, with a couple of quick quick fire Twitter questions Sam Hawk GG asks thoughts on Fernandinho's upturn in form at right back. Will we see more of this next season? Kind of covered it earlier, but briefly. Yeah, um, I never thought he was that bad at right back. Anyway, I think there was one game was it Swansea at home where he was really like up and down. Mm. It was some quite alarming downs, but it was just across ninety minutes. I think other than that, he's been good. When he played left back, I think that was Monaco at home. That didn't go so well, but yeah, I mean. He has he has done well there, and yeah, as we said earlier on, it may be used at certain times, but it, it depends on on who Guardiola gets. Um, I think there'll be times where he, where it's called for, but if Guardiola gets the players he wants, then it's not going to be called for that often. So it's just a handy option to have. But you would, if everything goes well, then from a City point of view, hopefully we won't see it next season. Okay, sticking to the theme of right backs, um, someone called Howie Hawk thirty four asked. Oh, it's me. <laughs> It's the first you. time you've read one of my questions. <laughs> <laughs> We've got very better. <laughs> oh, it's a proud day, this. Brilliant. Uh, Steve, Howard wants to know thoughts on Kyle Walker, lukewarm response on Twitter to rumours. And I'll add to that that um, I've been pretty surprised by the general reaction kind of everywhere I look from City fans people seem to be lukewarm at best and, and some genuinely upset at the thought of Kyle Walker at right back what, what's going on there mate? I don't know, it surprised me too to be honest um, I think he'll be a, a significant upgrade um, on, on you know kind of our present stock um, present circumstance he would offer us a lot going forward uh, I think he's a complete package as regards to you know uh, his defending and attacking qualities. Um, he's got flaws still in his game, but, you know, which player hasn't? Uh, it's kind of baffled me, to be honest, why he's got a lukewarm reception. Um, it, we're basically going to be signing someone, or it looks like we're going to sign someone, who is exactly the type of player we want and the quality that we want uh, in the position that we need, you know, improving. So I don't see where the problem is. Okay. Fair enough. Um, okay, Howard. Tom Sanders asks, should Zaba get a testimonial? Uh, uh, I don't really have any strong feelings. It's strange. Obviously, they used to be set up to make money for the players, which they don't need anymore, but they still have a very useful purpose, obviously, you know, because you're, you look you're going to a player, you're showing your thanks to a player and they do make a lot of money for charity. But because we've had the goodbye, we've had a chance to say goodbye, then it's not something that's kind of needed. But, uh, so he doesn't, he doesn't need one. We don't need to say goodbye to him. But I say they can, uh, 
you can make a huge amount of, of money for charity and they can be very beneficial things. Uh don't have to be ten years after all, but it's the modern they don't they're not really a part of the modern game like they used to be. So what I would love is a joint one <laughs> when when all of our when that, that spider have all yeah, gone. Yeah, yeah, I see what that you're would I was about to say exactly the same, mate, yeah. What about a joint company Zabaletta Silver Torre testimonial? <laughs> or yeah. even split them into pairs and have two over hey, two I've subs. Got a question for that you. is something I would love to see. I, I, uh, if he's under contract at another club, I don't know if he can, but it's a testimonial at the end of the day in the summer. That uh, I'd be quite happy to see that, and it'd be a great occasion. Howard, would Joe Hart be in that testimonial? <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I guess you so. Didn't, you didn't mention him. Yeah, well, I, I don't see him as a... In the, well, he's not really... I know, I was kind of thinking of the other players because they are moving towards the end of the careers and I don't see... Probably forgot about Hart because he's got loads of time left in the game, hasn't he? But he has been here as long... Well, longer than everyone else, so it's a fair point. But but if he just... You know, he's been gone a year, isn't it? He's been gone a year, he'll sign for someone else. It's... A strange way to do it with testimonials it's tend of kind of someone's leaving your club and then you do it so you know having just played for you but he does deserve he does deserve one you're right so uh but he's got plenty of playing time left in i don't know did players used to have testimonials when they were still playing for years and years i just don't remember it so long ago so no. I remember we used to play United every summer. That was fantastic. Oh, yeah. Always Dennis Irwin testimonial. Ones. Yeah, Mike Duxbury, off Robuston. Dude, mate. <laughs> um, okay, Greg Hayden, last question. And this is kind of for the panel as a whole, I think, because it's an interesting question. Um, so he says, are we worried there was no send-off for Clichy last night? And I think then he says, I think there's a valid discussion to be had about how the treatment of players can differ. He has, after all, been integral to our success too, but is not well regarded. I um, I wrote that last bit, by the way, but I was kind of mirroring what he said. But okay, yeah, so gotcha. yeah, okay. So you can answer first, then. Yeah. Do you, how do you what? feel about and and this is you know I think he was hinting that yeah, why doesn't he get the same response? Uh, but it so uh, <laughs> very tough one, isn't it? Uh, obviously, we all know. That couldn't have happened with Clichy. It's just the way it is. He wouldn't have got that response. We don't regard him in the same way as Zabaleta. Uh, and I can't argue against it by saying, well, he's, he's not played very well recently because Zabaleta's not been the same player for over a year. He's just not been on the pitch to show that. Uh, the fact is, it just wouldn't have worked, would it? Clichy, I think, we should really show our respect He's been a great servant to the club. He was great value for all the, you know, we've re- he's really not been up to scratch this season. Uh, but it's the reasons we discussed earlier with Abletta. They're hard to pin down. It's just different. It's just the way he embraced. Cleese's done nothing wrong. He's been, again, a model professional, never on the front or back pages. No, no histrionics, no agent talks, no demanding to leave or a pay rise. Never hear anything from him. Absolute perfect professional and been brilliant for us. And I think it's a valid point that he asked that on Twitter. But at the end of the day, he's just not Zabaleta, is he? And there was very few. There's just very, very, very few, maybe only him, that we could have done that to last night. Mm. It's not just about how well you've played and servant. It just goes a bit deeper with Zabaleta. And I think only, you know, the Sylvan company, very rare, we might not see this many so soon, 
that we could do the same sort of thing for. Uh, it's just the way, it's just the fact he's not Zabaleta. But I, he will, he has been treated, you know, his legacy will be quite harsh, I think, because he's he's been, you know, he's been a great servant for the club, so. Okay. Um, Steve, do you mm. think that the club, do you, so obviously Zabaleta gets his massive send-off last night, but potentially Torre's leaving, potentially Clichy's leaving, potentially Navas is leaving, and I think that uh, potentially Caballero is leaving, and in their own way, all of those players were integral to a trophy we won. I think in terms of the 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 league title that we win under Pellegrini, I think Navas is 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 as his best best season that season for us. Um, for example, I think Caballero's uh, kind of heroics in the uh, in the League Cup are what win us the League Cup. So, do you think it's a little bit unfortunate that? that Zaba kind of gets this massive send-off, yeah? And then this almost zero acknowledgement at, at that game last night of the other players who could potentially be leaving. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but it's not unfair if a distinction can be made between the two there. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think it, it, you know, it is unfortunate. I'd rather that wasn't the case. But, of course, that's not how life is. That's not how football is. Um, you know, that's not how feelings manifest themselves towards a certain player over another player. Um, it's not, you know, any slight um, aimed at cliche and, and, and you know, Navas and, and others. It's more just how much we love Zaba, uh, how much we love Torre as well. So that would suggest to me last night the fact that it was all on Pablo and not remotely on Yaya that, Yaya's going to stay for another year because it's inconceivable that he's just going to quietly move on, you know, with one more game to go, with no kind of acknowledgement um, from the fans or not us not being able to allow, uh, given any chance to acknowledge him. Um, as for the others, yeah, it, it, it is unfortunate, but they'll, they'll move on and they may well come back and play against City at certain times in, in the future and they'll get a, a very warm round of applause. Um, and, you know, if you should get a City fan ever bump into them in the street or kind of if they're on holiday and see them in the bar, they'll treat them like, you know, the, the, the league-winning legends that they are. So there'll be no disrespect there um, and there'll always be warm wishes. So, yeah, it's just unfortunate, but, you know, you can take it right back to skill days. Some people are just more popular than others. That's just the way it goes. <laughs> Spot on. Uh, and on that note, uh, nearly an hour and a half, gentlemen, thank you so much, Sam. Cheers, nice one. Cheers, mate. Thanks, everyone. It was good, that. Yeah. Steve, thank you very much. Thanks, one, sir. Howard, thank you very much. Yeah, pleasure, as always. Um, thank you to everybody who listened. Um, as always, if you like what we do, go to iTunes, uh, hit subscribe, send us a tweet. We have a website now, 9320.com. Um, head over there, have a read of uh, Howard's farewell to, to Zabalak, which is just absolutely fantastic. Hmm. And uh, yes, we will be back very soon with another podcast. Thanks for listening.